It's the Infinite Podcast. Go tell your friends. It's the Infinite Podcast. My God, it never ends. It's the Infinite Podcast with Robin Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of the Project Infinite podcast, the podcast covering the infinite and ever-expanding multiverse of fandom. For movies, comics, TV shows, video games, we've got you covered, or in this case, in this episode, we've got you covered for one movie and one movie only. Madam Web. Nope. Nope. Not yet. Not not, not this time. <laughs> um, I'm Rob, and that voice you heard, of course, is, as always, Court. And, uh, Court, we, we saw Dune Part 2. We did. <laughs> so uh yeah we're here we're I'll here see you on arrakis my boy yeah we're gonna give you some some very non-spoilery thoughts probably probably go for like 20 30 minutes ish depending on how this depending on how this goes um we saw it so today is tuesday the 27th we saw this on sunday um about five days before it releases you know in theaters um and yeah, man, we're just we're just gonna talk about it as as lightly spoiled as we can. Probably talk about you know the technical stuff. Obviously, we'll talk about you know the performances, um, kind of with broad strokes, um, the performances of the characters and actors that we know or people know that are actually in this movie. We'll talk about um, as lightly as we can without diving too much because obviously the movie's not out yet. This episode will also be out before the movie is out. <laughs> so um, if you want to listen to it, you absolutely can. If you kind of want to get like a, you know, a feel out of, should I see this? Um, is this for me? The answer is yes. Yes. The answer is yes. And in, in, in short, uh, yeah, this, this, uh, we talked in our last full episode um, last week about like kind of like the early reviews and stuff like that. And it was getting all this critical acclaim. And having now seen the movie, I can definitely say those. The, that critical claim is very warranted. <laughs> um, this is as good a sequel um, as you're going to get. Um, the Two Towers is instantly what comes to mind for me, um, especially since I watched um, Dune Part 1. Literally, you know, I finished Dune Part 1 around 4.30-ish p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we, we saw Dune Part 2 at 7, so a couple hours in between, and these two movies weave together perfectly. Um, if this, if you, if you had told me, you know, this movie Dune was going to be just a six hour movie, um, it would still work. (laughs) Um, which is an incredible compliment to give it. Um, these two movies flow together seamlessly, but at the same time, part two, um, just expands on everything from part one. Everything is better. In my opinion, um, the performances, the visuals, Everything is just better from the first movie. And not to say that the first one's bad. Obviously, the first one's amazing. Um, but this movie just does whatever great sequel does. It expands upon and improves upon everything from its predecessor, in my opinion. This is special. It's just... It is the entirety of what is possible in the idea of what movie making is. I mean, from visual to, st- to sound to story to development to 
theme to questioning all these things is just encompassing of what Denis was able to do with this. And I mean, you know, I listened to the IMAX premiere of Tenet, uh, the re-release when Denis and Chris were talking about, you know, both their, both, both their films and kind of the approach. And, you know, you can tell when you have a Titan talking about film and the ideas of it. And you can tell Denis is just, he is a once in a generational talent. If you want to look at it like that, it's just, his command, it's not just his command of, you know, visual storytelling, it's his command of of the imagery and the possibility of what it could be. It's just the expansiveness of life of that doesn't exist. It's not real, but somehow it feels ever so present, ever so important as well. This is probably one of the most important movies that's going to come out um, narrative-wise and just the filmmaking process-wise. Um, at this point, you know, in my opinion, this is probably going to be the film to beat for 2024. Um, you, you probably are, are going to think there's a sigh of relief from Christopher Nolan that this movie didn't come out last year because it is truthfully just spectacle is like an understatement. This is just like, this is one of those those ones that just... It gnaws at you for this is two days after we saw it. I can't stop thinking about this movie. Like I can't stop thinking about how this was a possible thing that was made. Yeah, it's insane. Um, there's so many great mirrors to the first one. Um, and just going back to what you said about um, the visual storytelling element being so important. Obviously, this is not even really a spoiler, but there are multiple instances in this movie where he goes back to the the shot of the thumpers. Mm-hmm. And they're used, I don't know, I I didn't hand count it, obviously, but mm-hmm. I don't know, it might have been five or six times throughout the movie where it goes to that, that close-up shot mm-hmm. of the thumpers going off. But each time, it means something different, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, um, and implies something different every time. And I think that's really great because of how simple a technique it is, um, just to be able to use that because... In any other, in any, in a, in a lesser movie, that would be distracting Mm -hmm. where you're like, oh, we're doing this, we're doing this again. Um, but in this movie, every time it happens feels important. Like you feel like something important is about to happen. Like it almost feels like this, you know, both in the universe and in the movie as a movie, each time that happens, it feels important. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great kind of flag throughout the movie. Yeah. Just, I don't know why that that particular repetition st- stood out to me so much, but um, it did, and it just goes to show you how well-crafted the movie is. That yeah. He can make the same shot, same moment, throughout a almost three-hour movie feel important each time. I love how present we are in this in this movie. I love how attached you are to this to this world like it yeah it's the same it's the same energy it's it's different but it's round about the same energy that oppenheimer had and i mean we always talk about this great films have auras to them this movie exudes aura it depends what the film is like top gun has different aura than you know than oppenheimer did than barbie did so on and so forth but this one just feels grand. I mean, you know, you made your point and at this point it keeps happening about this being, you know, the two towers or the empire you know what this is? This is the Dune Part 2 to Dune Part 1. I don't think there really is a comparison for this. This truthfully is unique. This is one mm. of the most unique films. I know, um, obviously, no spoilers, but Empire is a huge draw. But, you know, I always say, and, you know, it's it's a relevant statement, that perspective is everything. And once we get into spoilers, you're going to understand that, you know, the Empire, you know, comparison is very interesting i think it's probably one of the most interesting pieces if you know the dune story you know why that is but he's 
what's able to be presented here. And like I said, it's the theme, you know, I said it before Craig Mazin talks about it, how theme should always be a question. Theme's not a thing. The questions you get, you have to ask in this movie are some of the best that you think about. They're thought provoking this time because like I said, perspective is absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, if you want to go down into performance, I mean, this, in my opinion, this, this might be in Timothy Chalamet's second best performance maybe only behind beautiful boy that's probably the only one that might be better than this um you know zendaya is i i think she might be the best the best acted character in this movie um rebecca ferguson is horrifying to say the least in this movie she is she's just somebody you just can't take your eyes off but it's just you feel uncomfortable the whole time and you want to talk uncomfortable you talk about austin butler's fade roth but just you know the idea of the movie star, and I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago, I, I, this is the movie that I think it's starting to feel like it's coming back. And it's just crazy because Timothy, Zendaya, Austin Butler, um, Florence Pugh, they're all under 30 years old. All I think Austin's the oldest and he's 30, I'm pretty sure. He's 29, something like that. Like, all of them are under 30, and I can tell... They're probably not... Besides Zendaya, who has who's contractually obligated to do this, like... They're not, they're probably not going to dip into television at this point. They're probably going to stay in movies. Like you can, t- I don't know what it is about the last couple of months. So we talked about twenty twenty three, and once we talk about the Oscars, we're going to talk about how generational twenty twenty three was. The movies feel like they're in a good spot right now. Like the actual movie theater going experience. I mean, uh, I'll let you talk about it, but just the the theater experience we had five days. Before, this is an early fan event screening and i just want you to talk about what we experienced at that i mean first of all it was packed i packed it it was it was there was almost no seats left and we were in a massive theater having done a couple of these now with you this was easily the most populated one yeah even and we saw the batman yeah yep and that that was and that was packed that was packed packed, but it wasn't this packed yeah this was like there was no in like you felt the buzz. Like, you felt something was about to happen. And I told you when we were walking out, I always have this theory about, you know, how people are going to perceive movies. Like, usually what's happening is, this is just the human nature to do this. It's like, well, I'm going to think, I'm going to try to find the bad thing about something. I knew this movie was something when I was walking out, and people were like, that was, that was, <laughs> that was pretty good. That was not yeah. bad. It wasn't bad at it all. It was that there wasn't a lot of the like visceral reactions to things mm-hmm. um, that you, that we've kind of grown accustomed to. Um, people were, people were locked in. They were locked word. in. Even like the moments that, you know, were humorous in the movie. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like people were afraid to laugh. Yep. yep. And I want to, I want to go even further with that point about those humorous moments too. They, they were relevant in this movie. Sometimes yeah. there's comedic timing and comedic, and you know, that humor for humor's sake, like, it, it was like a crescendo of what happened because there's one specific character that gets a lot of uh, comedy in this movie mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily suspect is going to be this character. Yeah. But then once it starts to ramp up, you learn, like... There's reason for this, and then it and then it just has a heel turn to like, oh, this is the re- like, this is serious, like this mm-hmm. is not just a, you know, it and it works. The co- like people were reacting to it. It was funny, it was, but it was well done. But it wasn't just there to be there. It had substance to it, and it made yeah, it sense. Was, like I said, it was almost like people were like, should we laugh at this? Mm-hmm. But like it was just the, I feel like just whatever the scene was or the delivery was, mm-hmm. it just kind of prompted people to laugh, mm-hmm. and they were just like. Should we be laugh like because people because people were so locked into the movie like mm-hmm. I feel like nobody wanted to break the mm-hmm. like break the tension or yeah. break like the the focus mm-hmm. but like you know that's how you know a line is genuinely good in a movie when it kind of draws this 
unbeknownst reaction mm-hmm. from from people when they're like, we didn't expect to laugh in this movie, but here we are, <laughs> like we're doing it. Right. So I yeah, it was it was incredible to 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 kind of just be a part of like it felt. It felt obviously because the I mean the theater was more packed than when we saw Top Gun, but it was a similar mm-hmm. air about it, where like people were just we talk about all the time when we saw Top Gun in theaters like that third act and people were just yeah like yeah <laughs> like lock in like and this movie has a very similar it's bit. similar but it's it's a bit different because yeah it's almost so I was I was thinking about how to how I can convey this thought that like these thoughts that I was having about this these prescient visions just kidding <laughs> I was thinking about this this movie is gorgeous but that's a given like but it's yeah. deeper than that it's so 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 much deeper than that it just being gorgeous this movie is the epitome of the ideology of what visual storytelling is it's not the idea of I need to tell you what's going on because that's not simple but it's easy um, I can show you what's going on but for me to feel what's going on that's a truthfully special thing that Denis yeah. has yeah. and this team has and Greg Frazier has who you know deserves all the credit I mean you look at Greg Fraser's body of work since since he shot Lion in 2016. I mean, Lion, Rogue One. Uh, yeah, Lion, Rogue One. He shoots Dune 1, Dune 2, the Batman, the create, he, uh, part of the creator. Like, not bad. That's that's a resume in of itself. Um, he's just... I, I uh, So, obviously, there's the Roger Deakins podcast. I listen to Greg Fraser and the cinematography podcast. Like, I listen, I just, I love listening to Greg Fraser talk because he's he's very technical, but he's technical with intent. He's very technical with story intent and, like, how to, how to make you feel about something very technically. He's just, he's so sound at what he does, but he's transformative. I mean, he's, he's going to go down as probably one of the greatest photographers and film history if he's not already and you know obviously he's not he's not a young a young man anymore but he's got a he's got a long career and like these are the the movies you put back to back against each other and i'm going to talk about this for denise because we were talking about this leaving the theater um it is just you have to feel proud of yourself at some point like these are the movies you're having um what i want to talk about real quick is the blockbuster mentality um and this movie's tracking 170 million for an opening weekend which is you know that's a good sign for a lot of movies because you you crack 150 plus opening weekend. That's and this gonna... movie has a relatively low budget. This movie cost 190 million dollars. The Joker two cost 220 million dollars. That shouldn't even that shouldn't even make sense. Yeah. And when once everybody sees this movie, you're gonna understand that that sh- there's no way it should have been possible. But it's just it's understanding that this needs to feel real to feel relevant. And this is you know this this one in particular is. No, I should. It sounds dismissive to be like this is the true measuring stick of this franchise because the first one came out when we were still in that weird mm-hmm. pandemic. Not only thing. the weird pandemic phase, but the actual weird pandemic phase for HBO Max right, at exactly. the time. Yeah. So I feel like this one is gonna have what you know. Obviously, it's building off the backbone of the first one was mm-hmm. really great, and people know the first one's really great. So I think that's gonna obviously help this one. But this is gonna be this is gonna be the one that tells us what this is. Mm-hmm. And if this is kind of like the perfect mixture of a blockbuster plus an actual movie, (laughs) like the art. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I think this movie is going to be that balance, um, for lack of a better word. Yeah, it's just, 
you know, obviously they shot this film in IMAX. We saw it in an IMAX theater. That This is the way to see it. That, I just want to make that abundantly clear. This mm-hmm. is the absolute way. And I love the quote that film is half, or movies are half visual, half auditory. Like, this movie needs to be, you know... Seen and heard. Seen and heard. Like, yeah. the sound, like, the sound mix in this movie is just phenomenal. I mean... And then to go along with the score, this score is just score should always accompany and bolster, never overpower. This score is just synonymous at this point, but it just it feels so, you know, enigmatic for lack of a better better term. Like, I don't know the better way to explain how the score makes you feel. Yeah, it's just it weaves itself through the story itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it knows when to stay and it knows when to leave. It knows when to crescendo. It knows when Boy to doesn't know when to leave. Yeah, <laughs> we can't talk about it. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> boy. Boy oh boy. Yeah. This is this is an absolute special 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 film. It's just it's one of those ones where upon rewatches I just have a it's going to probably get even better like I this, Oh yeah, for sure. This movie is in my opinion a masterpiece. I don't know how you even get better, but I on rewatches it's just going to become more relevant. And we actually, you know, we talked about before we recorded we're like are we going to do the non-spoiler thing and then the spoiler thing in the same like day and do that do both reviews and then we both kind of agreed like kind of got to see this again before we do that absolutely have to see this again because it just it would be it would feel like to me like a not a disservice but it would feel along those lines to like only see this once on sunday and then just be like here's everything that we think about it like i just feel like it it needs more than that i feel like i also need more than that um because i think this movie warrants it Mm -hmm. um for lack of a better term like i think it warrants like my that, not that I wasn't giving it my full attention, but like it needs my full attention twice, <laughs> more or less. For There's me to, so like, much actually... movie in this in this movie. And There's, going back to what you yeah. said about the visual stuff, like the visual the visual stuff is more than just oh that looks cool or no, that looks nice. It's... it's actually like the visuals are actually telling the story. So I just want to get nerdy about camera stuff for a little bit. Obviously, they shot this in in the IMAX. They shot. I just love the mixture of what they do. They um they shoot the IMAX. They use the film prints. Um, one of my favorite examples from the first movie on that was the 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 vision of the Jamas fight before it happens, and they're switching aspects and like to it's like supposed to be a conduit for like he's seeing all these different timelines at the same time, these different ways of looking at things. Yeah. Um, the way that IMAX renders faces in that depth of field. There's a specific shot. In the movie, it's in the trailer um, where he's walking throughout, like the Fremen. He's walking through the Fremen. It's that massive wide shot where he's just they're clearing the path for him. In that shot, there's another shot of just a, a close on one of the Fremen's face, and like that's when the third act's starting. That's like when it's like about to be like go time for this film. That shot just floored me. I couldn't explain why, but it's like I said, it's just the way that this you know this modern technology of of filmmaking it just renders faces. How, you know, this, it's not just the depth of field, it's just the depth of the world that you're in. You just feel encompassed in this place. Um, And then, you know, allegorically for story too, like, you feel encompassed by the presence of, of, you know, of Paul at this point. And that's a big piece of this movie is, like, the presence of Paul. Obviously, this is the ascension of of Paul Atreides. Um, You know, that's where I'll leave it, but without going into spoilers. But um, this is just, this is one of of those films that, you know, people are going to talk about. I think, you know, we always talk about it like the normal moviegoer. Like, this is a a film for everyone. Like, 
they deal with the weird stuff really well. Like, incredible, like, way more than I thought. And I shouldn't have ever doubted Denis in this way, but, you know, the second half of the book really gets off the rails weird. And that's the, that was always the argument with what Frank Herbert was doing, especially once you get later. It's like, this is getting, (laughs) this is getting interesting. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, I, you know, I went back, obviously, and I listened to our first review of the first movie and, you know, and just general critiques that people had of the first one was that, like, the lore is confusing, this, that, and the other thing. And, I, and It's slow. I, yeah. And what I kept saying to you was, the lore the lore is not confusing, it, it's overwhelming, mm-hmm. but a lot of it can be broken down in layman's terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same is true for this movie, but what this movie does is, which I think all great sequels do, is it doesn't hold your hand, and mm-hmm. it's like, look... The first one, pretty much, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Avatar, mm-hmm. where it was like the first one is like, here's the lore, here's the building of the world, here's these characters, and then the second one is like, now we're gonna, now we're gonna show you mm-hmm. everything, now we're gonna show you why all this stuff matters, and I think that's what this movie does really well, where it's like I said, it it, it marries so perfectly to the first one, where it pretty much picks up where the first one ended, mm-hmm. and it's like, here you go, like you're back in this world right. and. You know, everything's going to ramp up now. Mm-hmm. And now we did the building of the lore, we did the building of the world, and now we're now the characters are going to flourish. Yeah. And I think that's where this movie, mm-hmm. you know, succeeds the most is it for people who maybe were a little not into the characters or the performances in the first one, besides maybe Rebecca Ferguson's mm-hmm. character, um, everyone levels up in this movie across yeah. the board. And most importantly, it. It is. It is Timothy Chalamet. Yes. It's the biggest. Absolutely. Yeah. He, you know how I look at this. It's how I looked at. Uh, that's how I looked at Letitia right in Black Panther too. It's like. Yeah. You you have to you have to take the step and you know he did. I'm gonna ask you at the end your one word to describe this movie, but I'll say my word now. It's grace. This movie is just absolutely a graceful film, and it's not graceful in the narrative, because the narrative is quite the opposite of graceful, but it's the handling of of a film like this. Again, it shouldn't... This shouldn't be real. Like, this shouldn't... I told you when we were walking out of the theater, like, I, I was kind of speechless walking out of the theater. It wasn't speechless of, like, you know, hyper, hyperbolic speech, like, being speechless. It was... Like I said, it was the idea of, like, this, this shouldn't exist. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that this... On top, only cost $190 million. On top of you have all these stars in this movie. And, you know, I was reading, like I said last week, I was reading through Dune Exposures. And, you know, Josh Brolin talked about, like, at that point, you have to leave, leave the egos at the door. And I guess the last point before you get into your, your, your word is that all comes together. And this is the beauty of what directing is. That's the whole, this is the whole point. Yeah. That's why Denis Villeneuve is, you know one of the greatest storytellers on the planet because he wrangled all these people. Not only did he wrangle all these movie stars, not he, he had to deal with these old movie stars that already were established. He had to deal with these younger movie stars that were, you know, the arguably some of the most famous on the planet. He had to deal with this story that he's been told his whole life was impossible to do. This is the most impossible sci-fi thing you ever do. So in a lot of ways, he was told this isn't going to work. There's no way this works. And then he turned around and said, I'm just going to give you one of the greatest movies possible at this point. Um, so that's my biggest, like, win is Denis Villeneuve himself. I think when it all gets said and done, um, obviously he's going to make, like I said last week, he's going to make Rendezvous with Rama, um, that Arthur C. Clarke book. Um, he's going to, I think he he said, yeah, they said two days ago, he's 
almost done with the Dune Messiah script. Like in a couple in like ten years, we're gonna start to have some conversation. There's some much needed conversation about Nevo New. And mm-hmm. you know, I said it. Prisoners to Sicario to Arrival to Blade Runner to Dune One to Dune Two. I think he's probably gonna do Dune Messiah then Rendezvous with Ron- like. That's a that is a generational run of movies. I didn't even talk enemy. I didn't talk in Cindy's. I didn't talk Polytechnic. Like he's been doing this for since the what the early two thousands. He's been doing this, and look at the quality every single time he steps out there. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, assuming that the third one holds and exceeds the quality of this one, to me, it's this. It would be this and Lord of the Rings. In terms of film trilogy. Yeah, I I just... And I never thought... Uh, yeah, yep, yep. I never thought that, you know... I didn't think... I To this point, no trilogy for me has touched those Lord of the Rings films. I think that's that's the perfect trilogy. in term, That's the perfect film trilogy, in mm-hmm. my opinion. It just is. Um, every movie is better than the next. Mm-hmm. And all three are in exceptionally high quality. Yep. And... You know, again, I mean, the Tolkien stuff, again, is probably something that you never thought would be able to be put on film to that degree. And Peter Jackson pulled it off. So and I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a true, you know, a tried and true, you know, it feels weird because, you know, those movies feel so recent to me. But this really is like, you know, this generation's Lord of the Rings trilogy. To me, it's it doesn't it doesn't belong in that conversation with the Dark Knight trilogy. It just doesn't. I think we're past that. I think we're already past it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, tr- I truly do. Yeah. In terms of a film trilogy. Yeah, I because I think it. that Dune 1 is stronger than the than Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's going to be people that don't like what I'm about to say. No, I think I, 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 think I agree with you. <laughs> but Dune Part 2 is, you know, on paper a, a better film than... <laughs> than... <laughs> Just say it. Just the say dark night. Uh, yeah, just... I think I agree. I think I agree. I totally I think I agree. Um, so I think that's what we're talking about. Like I think we're talking about a truly generational film and a probably a generational trilogy when it's all said and done. Yeah, I can I I cannot overstate how just and this movie when this movie ends, you're like I need Messiah yeah. right now. There's a line that Paul says at the end of this movie. Yep. And you're like, oh yeah, like I need this film. And yesterday. not in a not in a like a ham fisted like this is a sequel bait line. It's no. more like a I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's and which is exactly what a great sequel does is it leaves your characters, you know, in some degree at a state of at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's that's where this movie leaves Paul in a in a in a way that the first one sort of did, in in the sense that like the first one was more like he's starting his journey, and now this one was like he's on the journey, but now he's at a crossroads, and the third one is where we're gonna take it, mm-hmm. and I think that's obviously a perfect setup. Yeah, man, these performances are, I know, magnetic, yeah. and I mean. You know, I, we we say it all. Whenever we give out our awards, and we'll give out our awards during the spoiler one. We always say like sometimes it's simple. This one, this one is probably the most complicated, simple one that we're gonna get because yeah. that second half that well, there's, two, there's two characters that walk very a very similar arc, mm-hmm. but do it in in a totally different way. Yep. There's you, un- you know which two characters I'm yeah. talking about, but um, they walk a very similar arc at a very with a very similar inciting incident that mm-hmm. that 
crescendos that arc, mm-hmm. but the way they both go is so subtly different, and that's what makes their performances really exceptional, is that you could easily clock that these two characters are kind of walking a similar narrative mm-hmm. track, but the performances are so subtle that you're like, yeah, they're they're kind of doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and that could be distracting, but they both, there's a specific point where they both kind of mm-hmm. go like this and they and they split from from the similar arc to one goes one way one goes the other way yep. and you're like oh yeah <laughs> and the, you know this movie again on levels that shouldn't work the religious connotations are you know e- i'm talking one wrong line could have just mm-hmm. ignited the internet on fire ignited this film and just destroyed this film but Again, that's why I used grace as my as my word to describe this movie. It's just the way everything is handled. Yep. It's just it's just understood. Like it's just like everybody got to set and everybody, and everybody looked at Denis and he was just like, you know, it's unexpected. And they were like, understood. Like we know exactly what's expected out of every single last person on that set of that movie. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Um, one of the man. One of the best third acts too. Yeah. That third act is exceptional. That second act also was... It's probably one of the strongest, if not... That's got to be one of the best second acts in terms of holding that movie together, too. Yeah. Because a lot of times, second acts can get lost. Especially like, in a long movie. Uh, arguably, this... this the, It's funny, like... I, not worse, but, like, the weakest act is the first act, which usually isn't yeah. the case, and the first act is phenomenal, too. Yeah. So, the yeah. second act of that movie is... That's when there's a, there's a huge there's a revelation and a heel turn right in the second act and it's just it's obviously it's monumental and there's a there's two i'm talking massive spoilers that happen during that um that we can't talk about until friday but you know once that flips the performances flip with it yes and you're like oh my like you can feel it and again same thing that happened with top gun and that third like i said it was that close on that fremen's face and then it was just i was like oh it, it's it's happening like it's 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 about to happen yeah yeah, exa- yeah, I think there's it's it's easy to kind of get get yourself lost in the f- in in stuff like that like when characters flip um it can be distracting cuz you cuz you it really relies on the performance to sell mm-hmm. it. Um, cuz that's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to do to be like I've been this character for so long and then kind of kind of like on the drop of a dime like now I'm different. Mm-hmm. That's that's way more difficult to pull off than like a gradual ascent or descent. Um, and in this case, it's like more of like a, like a coin flip. And then, you know, that character's character is different and not in a bad way. It's it's narratively designed that way Mm -hmm. to happen in that sense. And it's just flawlessly done by, by the performers involved. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's, you know, you can write it away, but you have to personify it. That's the, exactly. that's the, you have to sell it. You have to you sell, sell it. it. That's the, that's exactly what, in my opinion, the devil, you have to give me the sell of this thing. And man, the scene that comes after it, we were, I mean, we talked about that scene for a good bit when we were standing outside the theater, we were like, Oh, like, it's crazy. Yeah, that that's and my that might be. I don't want to because Beautiful Boy is an incredible performance, but what he does in that second act in that scene, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about. I was like, wow! Like yeah. I was like I was like jaw dropped. Like that's when the acting is like that's like you know like you know the hashtag acting award. Yeah. Like, I'm just gonna spoil it. That's gonna be pro- that's gonna be mine. Like there's and Zendaya is so incredible in this movie. Rebecca Ferguson is haunting and just just. 
and it's full. I can't wait to talk about Rebecca Ferguson's arc because you want to talk about you became the very thing you swore to destroy. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, just, you know, you, you said earlier, like your, your word, I think my word is inexplicable. Um, but just in the best way, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's along those lines of like, this movie shouldn't exist. It shouldn't be as good as it is. Yeah. It shouldn't draw everything out of you that it draws out of you. Yeah. But it just does. You know because- why it's so good? This is, like I said, it's the, it's the whole idea of what the, what the movie is, like yeah. what movie cinema, whatever the word you want to use, like it's it's everything put together, weaved perfectly. It's literally everything, visual, audio, acting, sat like everything works. There's not one piece that does not work or that slack. No, everything is on ten. Every single piece of it. Yeah, and I mean that at, you know, in, in simple terms, like just to kind of get back to that to that kind of idea of simple terms, it's a this movie is is a is a master at work. Mm-hmm. Um a master at the peak of his powers mm-hmm. is what we're is what we're witnessing. Yeah, this right is now. like like I said, uh, you know, I can I, I can't even say say the same argument that I used for Christopher Nolan when I said, you know, you can throw you you know, you could throw the hat in the air, like who's what's the best film he's done? Is it Interstellar, is it Dark Knight? But I still think Oppenheimer is the best time he's ever directed. I was going to use that same thing when I walked out of the theater and I was going to say Arrival is probably his best movie. But this is the no, 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 no. This is his best movie. This is the best movie he's ever directed. And hopefully, you know, you keep the same energy with Messiah. But this is just this was everything you could have yeah. asked for. He's Yeah, he's, he's just I know it It feels kind of dismissive to to say this, but the way this movie's directed and put together, I know how much hard work goes into it. I mm-hmm. know how how many like tireless days I'm sure everyone spent on this, but it felt so effortless. Mm-hmm. I know exactly <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. It's just it's when you again it's, it's seamlessly it's what, put together. It's what Nolan had for, for Oppenheimer in my opinion, where it's just like right. this is this I worked my whole career to get here. Like this is like the it's championship com- it's win. Confident. Yeah. This movie is confident. You know and you know Zendaya said it in one of the interviews like when you walk like our energy is stemming from looking at Denise's face every day when he's on set. He's like, I got, I, like, I have this. Like, yeah. I, I know, I know what this is. This is a confident movie. You know, you know, when I think about that, I think about how the, how the, the Daniels did everything everywhere all at once. It's once you know exactly what the thing is, I know, I know what this is. Like you, I mean, you yeah. look at, you know, I'll just, you know, you look at the Godfather trilogy, same thing. You look mm-hmm. at empire. Like I know I like, Story-wise, visual, like, I know everything. I know every beat about this. There's no confusion. There's no studio interference. I know what the heck this thing is. It's like, you know, it's like in a sport. It's like basketball or, like, golf. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the, a player lets off, like, a shot, and mm-hmm. you just, you know no. as yep. soon as you let it go. And that's what this movie feels like. It's It feels like such a confident movie. Like, it knows it knows what it is. Everyone involved knows what it is. Mm-hmm. They Everyone involved in it knows what they're a part of. Mm-hmm. Um and you feel it. Like you do, there's no other way to you feel, feel is, it. You feel is it. the best way. I, this one, I, obviously, or you know, the movie starts with the throat, the famous throat singing from the first movie. <laughs> yeah. But like, you feel the roller coaster. Yeah. You know, 
harness come down as soon as you hear it, and then as soon as the WB logo, and I'm like, oh shoot, like it's happening again. Like I, yeah. I got that same feeling that I got from like it's happening. And it's a, I mean, it's brilliant to basically start the two movies mm-hmm. the same it's, way. It's so smart, and Messiah's gonna be the probably the same exact thing. Yeah. I wonder who's gonna be the monologue for Messiah though. And I have a, I would love if it was Paul himself for this one. I think that would be a really good, a really good mirror. I have a, this movie or this trilogy, I think is going to play a, a bit like, I think this is going to play very interestingly because the third movie, obviously Messiah is going to be more, I think Messiah is going to be a little bit more talky than this movie. Cause this movie is, you know, I, we, we didn't even talk about the, the technical Marvel of just the fight choreography in this movie is sound is like an understatement like again this is the blockbuster meets art like it these fights are just visceral like they're they're actually feel relevant and and tough (laughs) so you know but i think like i said messiah is going to be a little bit more politicky it's going to be a little bit more you know talky obviously you know for those who know what happens in this franchise, you know that there there will be action in this third movie. Messiah, there's there's some stuff that's going to happen in Messiah, but I think it's going to be more of a this Messiah is probably going to be the most character study one out of the three of them. Yeah. So yeah, it's something sense. I can't wait for. Um, you know, and I I have I don't know why I get this weird feeling that you know they're going to wait. Maybe not because I think that Warner Brothers is going to be like as soon as the B hits. Instead of the M, the B hits for the billion because mm-hmm. one seventy opening weekend, the energy we got from that fan event, and that was f- five days before this movie, six days before this movie comes out. I I just gotta think that this movie is gonna make at least eight eight hundred eight fifty at the very least. Yeah, and I mean it's one of those things where at the same time, like if you're Warner Brothers, you kind of gotta give them the you kind of gotta give them the Jim Cameron leash. Mm-hmm. Like if he wants to take five years to do this third one. Let him. Yeah, I, you know, you know what's cool, and and you know, I implore everybody to read, you know, Rendezvous with Rama. Like, I feel, I, I don't know why I get the sense that like he can, he, I don't know why it would feel cool if he just made that movie in between, so he took more time, and then like you know, he makes another sci-fi movie. It's probably gonna be incredible, like usual. Um, it's something where he can probably you know take a breath. I don't even like to say that because Rendezvous with Rama is a Mass. It's like a story that feels so small at first, and then it just balloons. But if he decides to go that route and maybe makes another type of movie in between, um, so be it. Did Nolan do that for The Dark Knight? Did yeah, he made Inception in between The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. So he made a, I mean, not a small movie. He made a massive movie in between the two. So <laughs> yes, uh, maybe maybe Denis and I know Denis and Chris are are friends. So you know maybe he takes a page out of that book before you hit your last movie. Hey, take a take a break, man. Like. Step away from that world for a little bit and gather yourself. Um, there's also the other the other side to the coin where this energy is too high. A Warner Brothers is probably going to be like, no, n- don't even think about it. Like Messiah's greenlit. <laughs> as, as soon, I, I bet you as soon as Monday hits next Monday, Messiah will be greenlit. Like I, yeah. as soon as they get out of the weekend and that movie has a hundred or two hundred million in the like, they're gonna yeah, you, you're getting the third movie. <laughs> so don't even worry about it. Sisterhood's probably going to get greenlit off, off of this too. Off the power of Rebecca Ferguson herself just greenlit a whole show, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully they let her in the show. I, I just have a feeling that show's going to be in the past. It's probably not going to be in the present. No, yeah, I would expect it to be in the past, yeah. What a picture. It's really... Yeah, what a, it's, what I, a picture. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like... It, it's funny that you use the roller coaster metaphor, you know, 
a couple minutes ago because that's what it felt like. You ever been like to an amusement park and you get off of, like a really sick ride and you just get right back online? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're like, oh, I gotta yeah. get back on. I gotta do that again. That's how I feel about I this movie. I felt like sad leaving the theater. <laughs> I was like, I I have to like. I have to see that again That's how immediately. I like I have to, I have to experience I that again. To go right back, right back, right around, in. I was right just back like, and get back in line. And it felt even worse because I was like, oh, I have to wait a week to do. Yeah. it. Like it wasn't even one of those things where like, all right, well, we can go again tomorrow. Like no, and that oh, that's maybe even more genius. Like the wait, like sure. Because people are, you know, usually. And I, I was just talking to somebody about that. Usually, when this happens. As soon as it hits, like, because we got to see it so normal people could see this. It wasn't just critics that saw it. Usually it starts to tail. Like, this movie is at altitude. Like, it's at its cruising altitude, and it's not... There's no turbulence. There's nothing. Like, yeah, it feels like everybody that's seeing this movie, like... I feel like the worst review I've seen was, like, an 8. <laughs> like, this movie yeah. is, like... That's absurd. That That's the worst one I've seen, like... It's like all these different critics that have been critical of all these different types of movies that we've liked or anything like that are, it feels like all of them are like, oh yeah, like this movie is, this is the one. Like this is. Well, I mean, sometimes you just get mm-hmm. a thing that's just undeniable. Yeah. And that's what this movie is. That that also could have been my word for this movie is undeniable mm-hmm. because that's what it is. Like you can, you can obviously, anyone can look at anything and, and nitpick it and mm-hmm. criticize it. But at the end of the day, that's, that's all you're doing. Whereas, like, the overall presentation of the thing is undeniable. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about this movie. And this story is so tight. Like, yeah. and that, and, you know, yeah. that was an argument for the first one that the story was slow. I I don't, I never picture, I, and I just rewatched the first one. I never take that story as slow. I think that story, you know, where I think it gets confused, I think people confuse the slowness for the uncomfortable nature of what happens in the second act. The, the siege of Arakeen and when the Atreides are murdered, like, that doesn't feel good, and that makes this movie way even better because, well, like, that's what I mean, they, they, the first one and the second one married together perfectly. Mm-hmm. But they both stand alone on, yeah. like, they stand alone very well. Like, you don't need to watch the first one to watch the second one, but like, also you do, need, you should watch the first one because yeah, I would recommend it. Yeah, yeah, because they <laughs> they hold very well, and I mean, obviously, he walks into the desert in the in the end of the of the first one, um, and you know. The second one starts in like, oh man, even the, the score bit, it's just so powerful, but so subtle in yeah. the beginning of this movie. And you're like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm in like, that's energy. Yeah. <laughs> that That's power. Yeah. Oh man. I could talk about this movie for, I know for, for days, but I'm, I'm more excited to talk about it more in depth mm-hmm. later this week. Yeah. There's some reveals. We got we, we we talked for 40 minutes and we, the, didn't, yeah, we, we didn't say anything t- substantive about the plot, no. which is great. Yeah. Which is great. Cause sometimes we do these when we're just like, Oh, we got to talk about this thing. We're like this. We're just, we can just talk about the overall presentation of the thing for an hour if we mm-hmm. wanted to and, and not even dip into a single thing that happens mm-hmm. because that's, that's just how good it yeah. is. This is, this is, this is filmmaking. This is blockbuster, yeah. but like not, <laughs> this is blockbuster. It's, just, it's a perfect marriage. Yep. It's a perfect marriage. The, like I said, confident, undeniable, inexplicable, yeah. all just, of those things. The, <laughs> I, I'm feeling really good about the state of the movies right sure. now. And it's just, it, it, this has got to make a lot of people feel good that like, this is the type of movies that we're getting. Like you got Oppenheimer last year. That is a blockbuster, but it's also, and I'm Denis even said it himself. This is an R rated mo- talkie movie. And it made a billion dollars. Like, people want these types of movies. You just have to tell it and show it well. That's all it needs. It just needs people that care about it. Yeah. All right, man. 
So that's going to do it for us until uh, later this week mm-hmm. when we talk about the movie in full. Um, probably be maybe like a five to ten minute kind of quick overview and then we'll just dive right into the spoilers mm-hmm. because we just went on for about 45 minutes mm-hmm. about kind of our general thoughts. So you'll kind of know where we sit. Um, so yeah, just uh, this will be up tomorrow it's tuesday so this will be up wednesday and then you can consume that if you like before you go see the movie um because i'll try and make it as clear as possible that you can absolutely listen to this uh without having seen the movie this is more like this is more or less us selling you on the movie we don't have to but (laughs) but we want to (laughs) um so that's that's what this is so you can follow us on twitter at project inf underscore pod you can follow us on facebook you can follow us on instagram that's a project infinite pod and yeah man Later this week, in a couple of days, we will we'll sit down again and talk about this movie in full. Just talk about everything. Talk about everything. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it again. Can't wait to talk about it again because this is this is just one of those. It's one of those. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that, man. That theater walkout was something. <laughs> Walking out of that yeah. theater was everybody was like, "Oh, <laughs> wow." Yeah. <laughs> hey, oof. <laughs> <laughs> um, a wolf went over the crowd when we were walking out. They were like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah!" It was like, uh, it's such a, this is a, like a quiet euphoria just washed over the entire." I crowd. see what you did there. Shout out Zendaya. There you go. Uh, we'll talk about her and everybody else. In this. And him, who's Timothy Chalamet, because he was him in the yes. movie. And we'll talk about everybody and everything in this movie in Dune Part Two. Uh, we'll have some, we'll have some, we'll have some numbers for you. We'll have some numbers for you by Thursday. So that'll be fun. Or by, yeah, Thursday, Friday, we'll have some numbers for you. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah, man, we will see you later this week for our full review of Dune Part 2. Until then, goodbye. Peace.